This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. I'm your host, Dwayne Callender. Quite a bit to talk about, so we're going to get right down to it. Uh, in terms of sporting world, we've got a lot going on. Uh, we've got the NFL owners meetings. We've got the NCAA tournament uh, just uh, wound down to the Final Four, uh, which begins Saturday. And we have the start of the baseball season. Uh, upon us, as well as the conclusion of the regular season for the NBA and NHL. So, uh, quite a bit to talk about, so uh, we're going to get things started with some updates from the NFL. So, the NFL, as we talked about before, they were voting on uh, certain rule changes, one in particular being the catch rule uh, being revised. So, uh, the catch rule, uh, as you may recall, was... Up for debate, it seemed to be every single game this year. There was something going on with the catch rule. Uh, The league says they've simplified it. I talked about it in a prior podcast where things are not nearly as uh, clear as the NFL would have you believe, uh, depending on the fact that they still uh, uh, limit this uh, description to uh, the following, uh, wherein you could have uh, football construed anything construed as a football move uh, be considered a catch, except for the fact that there's no clear uh, definition of what uh, constitutes a football move. So again, uh, going to the ground, they're saying it's not going to cause uh, a ball to be incomplete. If you have uh, made an attempt to add a football move, but again, what uh, what's a football move? It's they're saying reaching the ball across the Jesse James catch, the Des Bryant catch from a few years ago, but they didn't talk about the catches in the Super Bowl uh, and going to the ground there. So I, I still feel as though uh, we're gonna get some r- rules. Uh, uh, rules uh, being questioned uh, in the regular season because of the the vagueness of the definition that they still put out. So even with multiple chances to get uh, get it right, 
this uh, this still comes across as uh, very vague. But among the other changes, uh, any touchbacks uh, from uh, kickoffs or punts uh, is going to move the ball to the 25-yard line. And the most controversial of them all is any lowering of the helmet to make a hit uh, will uh, warrant a 15-yard penalty and possibly an expulsion from the game if the referee warrants that uh, the contact was excessive. So this is, again, one of those judgment calls where what's deemed excessive and out of the ordinary. Now, there were teams who made uh, such hits uh, uh, against the Steelers and even the Steelers themselves. And even the play Ryan Chazier got injured on was one where he lowered his head and went into his own teammate. Uh, so uh, the NFL is looking at this from a safety aspect, but uh, the fact that you're having a possibility of someone getting ejected from the middle of the game on a judgment call is one where college football has been dealing with this and there have been uh, there's been outcry over the college football rule. The NFL going down this path, uh, again... Can uh, cause from uh, be cause for some consternation because you could have uh, situations where people are pointing out that it's showing favoritism to certain teams in certain situations. So uh, I, I think that's some uh, something where uh, the league is definitely going to have to take a harder look at everything that's going on. So uh, before I get into uh, the matter of the Houston Texans. I, I do want to throw out a quick plug for uh, the T-Mobile customers that uh, with uh, this being T-Mobile Tuesday, uh, you can sign up for uh, the MLB.TV package if you're a T-Mobile subscriber and get the MLB.TV for free the entire year. So I would highly suggest you do that if you're a T-Mobile customer. So I'm not plugging for T-Mobile, but uh, I figure just to remind everyone, uh, just because you only have one day to do it. So, and this being uh, Tuesday night, I'd rather get this out of the way before I uh, forget what some of the other topics I need to go over. Anyway, Houston Texans. Team that had a number of issues last year. One being that their owner is an old guy who comes across as one of those stereotypical white owners that doesn't get their own players and thinks they need to shut up and play. So Bob McNair spoke in front of reporters, which is never a good idea. I don't know how it came about that uh, no one uh, in the NFL P, uh, PR office thought uh, kind of shepherding the owners away from certain aspects. I know the owners are required to uh, be present for the media, but they should have people there to kind of silence some of the uh, some of the questions that get answered, or at least deflect them. Because sometimes owners just make stupid comments. Uh, McNair, instead of just deflecting some of the questions, uh, when asked about Jerry Richardson, the owner of the Panthers, who's currently selling the team because of uh, racial and sexist remarks that he's made over the course of his ownership period. Uh, summed it up as a defense where he believed that Jerry did not intentionally mean to offend anyone and was probably making a joke. Now, given that we're in the environment of Me Too and, you know, basic HR management 101, 
making jokes as a justification for being a jackass does not actually excuse said behavior from having consequences. You know, the fact that McNair actually thought this this was a good line of defense to say, oh, he was probably joking instead of, I don't know, saying, you know what, it wasn't the best choice of words. I don't think he could have meant it. That's what he could have said is, like, I don't think it was the best choice of words. Uh, going as far as saying that he was joking and that this is uh, blowing things way out of proportion, that is where you take it to another level where you're not going to garner any sympathy for him and you put more attention on yourself as an owner who is so out of touch that you need to be you're part of the problem not something where you're gonna be there long term because again the nfl is about making money so as long as you have owners like mcnair making ridiculous comments that jeopardizes how much money that they can make and given the fact that the owner uh Owner franchise values have gone up from 800 million uh, is, uh, back in 2008 to what is valued at 2.2 billion on average for an NFL franchise. Uh, you see where Roger Goodell is getting his contract uh, uh, raised to, to the amount. Whether or not Jerry Jones agrees uh, that uh, Goodell was uh, mainly responsible for the. Uh, the growth and the value of the franchises, it doesn't matter. It's not what you believe, it's what you can prove. Based off of Goodell's tenure, the value of every NFL team has gone up. Hence the reason why he's getting uh, c- uh, contract extensions and a pay raise. Uh, even though guys like Jerry Jones disagree with it, the other owners don't care. They're making money. So, with uh, Jerry Richardson, even though he is selling the team... He's still asking for three mil, uh, $3 billion, sorry, $3 billion for the team. And again, this is Carolina. This is not a major media market. Uh, it, I mean, let's be fair here. Carolina is still college basketball country. So for Jerry Richardson to be asking for this much kind of shows you how much sway the NFL owners believe they have right now in the marketplace in terms of uh, the franchise that they own. So be that uh, all that, uh, be that as it may, they're still subject to some social pressures. Now, when you have an owner like McNair stating that uh, players need to kneel and respect the flag, again, that's not exactly engendering much support from your own workforce and some of the other people who were actually watching your product. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's what's part of the reason why you have folks that are uh, against uh, against uh, kneeling for the flag. And you have some folks that are boycotting the NFL because they're saying that because there are so many people who drape themselves around the flag uh, that uh, the ratings are down. Because the other folks are uh, ticked off that the NFL do, uh does uh, so much that it's uh, uh, welcoming a hateful environment. So, again, the NFL doesn't do itself any favors by playing, trying to uh, have owners that are playing to one side, uh, uh, owners playing to the other side. The NFL should be staying neutral in this. But when you have owners like McNair shooting their mouths off, it puts the NFL in an awkward position. Hence the reason why they need to have 
professional people in the NFL PR department kind of deflecting uh, questions like that because it just sets off a firestorm that they don't need. Furthermore, on the Texan side of things, showing how out of touch their owner is, because, again, this is a franchise where they lucked into drafting Deshaun Watson and then proceeded to have uh, play a guy uh, like Tom Savage ahead of Deshaun Watson, only for, again, it to bear out that the Texans have no idea what they're doing because Tom Savage should not be an NFL quarterback. Now, be that as it may, when Deshaun Watson went down with an injury, the Texans did not reach out to anyone. They did not try to trade for a quarterback. They did not reach out to Colin Kaepernick, again, for said flag issue. So instead, the Texans decided to punt their entire season and let it go down the drain because they didn't have a remotely competent uh, backup QB. So, come this offseason, what do the Texans do? Do they make a trade for Nick Foles? Do they try to go uh, get a veteran QB to back up Deshaun Watson? They decide to sign Brandon Whedon to an NFL contract. Mind you, Brandon Whedon has not played an NFL game since 2015. And even when he did play in the NFL. Brandon Whedon's one of the biggest busts that you could imagine for uh, for a first-round pick because of the fact that he was 29 years old when he started in the league uh, for various reasons, uh, because he was uh, a failed baseball player that went back to college football. He, he couldn't play. He keeps getting these jobs. It's a running joke between Cam and myself about how many times Brandon Whedon's gotten an NFL job. And the only thing that you can say that justifies Brandon Whedon getting employed is that he's a he's a he's a guy who seems to be a relatively upstanding uh, player uh, and plays to the right cards, if you know what I mean, down south. I mean, that's it. There's nothing remotely tangible that says that Brandon Whedon should ever make an NFL roster at any point. So why would you waste time bringing him into camp when you know he can't play? Again, this is why the NFL is in the spot that they're in. Because you got too many owners that have too many vested interests in what they think a team should be made up of. <coughs> and other owners like Kraft who take advantage of them because they know they're idiots. Which, at the end of the day, people talk about parity in the NFL. But it's realistically just the stupidity of teams that uh, that is causing some of the issues that we're seeing with uncompetitive teams and just drastic swings year to year. And why teams like the Patriots tend to hang around. Again, yeah, you could cite it being Tom Brady, but the Pats still won with... Uh, uh, even uh, with Matt Castle, there there are reasons why certain teams don't do well, and it's mostly common sense why certain teams don't do well in the NFL because their owners have uh, their own agendas that they're operating under. That's the problem. So when people talk about what's going to cause the death of football, whether it's going to be concussions, injuries, 
it's really just going to come down to the fact that you're going to have a tipping point at some point when fans just get so fed up with their franchises that they stop watching because they realize that, you know, they could implement all the rules you want. Uh, it still won't change the fact that their owner's a jackass. Uh, I mean, yes, you have examples of it where other sports where it still manages. I'm looking at you, New York Knicks. But, you know, those ex- examples like the Knicks are so few and far between in American sports that I, yeah, I mean, you can go back to the Cubs as well uh, before uh, uh, Ricketts took over. But, uh, you know, I, I just don't see too many te- NFL teams uh, sustainably can uh, manage uh if they're going to change the rule format and the teams still aren't competitive, I can't see too many of them hanging around uh, with some of these rule changes that they're implementing when that's not the reason why some of these teams uh, fail at uh, being uh, playoff teams. It's a whole other myriad of reasons and the lack of progressive thinking uh, that's pervasive throughout the NFL. That's the biggest issue that they're dealing with. Now, speaking of situations that are caused partly by management situations uh, and decisions it would be the New York Giants and the Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, contract uh, standoff. So, Odell has made it clear that he plans on holding out as much as he can until the Giants give him a new contract extension. Uh, Odell's in his uh, still in his rookie contract, so he's making less than the mill. Uh, a year technically well he's making a million now that he's in year four he's making a million uh but uh in terms of what he's getting paid it's a fraction of what he's actually worth so obviously the giants have the incentive to uh keep him at his current contract level since he's still under contract per cba the issue here being is that Odell has already stated multiple times that he wants to be the highest paid player in the league. Not just wide receiver, highest paid player. Even more expensive than quarterbacks. He's not going to get that. The most he would get is maybe the high, most highest paid wide receiver in that you're talking in the 22 to $24 million range. Now, again, what we've seen throughout the course of the NFL as your star players get their big money contracts, the team suffers. Eli got his money. The Giants the team started suffering right after 2011 because they were so cash-strapped, and Jerry Reese was a moron uh, with his draft picks. So it's in, instead of being able to supplement uh, your team, you end up having to take more reaches in your NFL drafts because you're trying to get a little bit more value out of your draft picks uh, because you know you're, you don't have much room for error uh, uh, on your free agency front because you got to pick more stable guys that are going to stay healthy throughout the entire NFL season uh, because of the fact that uh, you don't uh, have the cap space to sign more expensive free agents that could be explosive player so it changes your strategy you end up uh, you end up uh, uh, either any uh, you either going for the free agents that I can stay healthy or really cheap guys who really aren't that good but 
you need to have some cheap guys on the roster in order to pay your skill position players a little bit more than uh, the other guy. So, again, the giant situation is the fact that we literally just traded Jason Pierre-Paul to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because we needed to free up cap space in case we actually do sign Odell to this extension. Now, the Giants have already made it clear that they like Odell, but they're not in love with a lot of the antics Odell does. So it's still a a toss-up as to whether or not the Giants actually trade him or not. And everyone has an opinion on what to do. The fans calling in, trashing Odell, the pundits on uh, Sports Talk Radio coming up with their own take on the situation. Here's the bottom line. Odell has earned the money that he's going to get from being uh, a top uh, wide receiver because of the numbers he put up in his first three years. The Giants were an absolute train wreck last year because of all the things I've outlined in the past of ignoring the offensive line completely and then watching play break down as Eli floats pass after pass because he's afraid of getting hit because of the line being so bad. So, Odell got hurt because of Eli throwing a high pass because of the offensive line. Now, are you going to... And this is what the Giants are technically doing. They're blaming Odell for getting hurt as the reason why the contract's getting held up. It's, it's one where, yeah, as an employee, you're vastly underpaid. So go get the money that you're worth. And you can do it to the best of your ability. Although, if you hold out... You're still under contract, so they can find you, and that's what's going to happen. So Odell can keep playing and stringing this out along until he gets moved and getting a big money situation rather than the extension. I just think it's easier for him to just uh, stick it out and uh, get the contract because uh, the Rams have inquired about it, but the Rams are not going to give up what the Giants are asking for. And what the Giants are asking for is what Odell's true value is. It's a first-round pick, another first-round pick, and a couple of uh, second- and third-round picks at some point, either this year or next year. That's Odell's true value. You're, you're looking at a Herschel Walker type of deal. I mean, even five years ago, Percy Harvin got two first-round picks uh, when he got uh, traded from the Vikings to Seattle. Now, all things considered, no one would even remember that trade just because of how Percy Harvin bottomed out after Seattle won that first Super Bowl. Uh, Which, again, Seattle screwed up because uh, anyone could have told him that Golden Tate was a a better person to keep around than Percy Harvin. But when you spend two first-round picks on a guy, you tend to go with the guy you spent more uh, assets on. So... Here's how I see the Odell situation playing out. Odell ends up having to play, string this out along, threatening to hold out, and the Giants hold on to him uh, and find him, and then he eventually has to come into camp, and they uh, basically have to work out a deal after the fact. So this uh, this probably plays out right until this, and this is not a healthy thing, but unless Gellerman uh, gets a mayor, because I think it's a split between Mara and Steve Tisch. 
I think Mara actually does want to trade Odell. And Steve Tisch is the one saying, hey, he puts butts in the seats. You have to keep him around. It'd be idiotic not to. I think that's why you're getting the conflicting statements from Giants management uh, saying, on the one hand, saying that they want Odell to be a Giant for life. And on the other hand, saying there are things uh, that he has to address personally and professionally before we even begin talking about uh, a contract. Uh, So it's not lining up properly. So that tells me that there's something going on internally, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's Mara after all the blowback he's gotten from the Josh Brown situation uh, leading up into uh, a couple of the other off-the-field issues that the Giants have been dealing with over the past uh, year and a half. Uh, it's just the fact that Mara is getting too much negative press, and Mara cares about what the press says about him. Uh, I mean, it's it's well known that the Giants have had their run of the New York media for quite some time. The Jets get treated like second-class citizens because the Giants run the New York sports media, so the Jets bear the brunt of any screw-up uh, that gets made, and it gets magnified by a 100 times than what the Giants screw up on. Because if you look at the Jets and Giants draft picks over the years, sadly, the Jets have had better drafts Uh, than the Giants as a whole because at least the Jets players stay in the league. When you uh, combine it up since 2011, only one Giants player drafted is still on the roster from 2011 to 2015, and that's Odell. I mean, Pew uh, Pew left in free agency, and uh, you've got Linval Joseph, uh, but you've got a ton of guys uh, that have come and gone and we're never to be heard from again. Most of the time, a guy actually resurfaces on another team. I mean, even you have a Demontre Moore situation where he popped up on the Dolphins for five games and then was cut and never heard from again. That is such a common refrain for Giants draft picks under Jerry Reese. It's comical. So, if I'm the Giants, I'd be very careful about even exploring a trade possibility with Fodell. Even if you're getting two first-round picks and a a deferred uh, first-round pick uh, on the back end for 2020, I would not necessarily be rushing to trade uh, Odell. Just from the standpoint of you've got a lot of cleaning up to do in your scouting department and your drafting department for picks uh, uh, three through ten, uh, three through. 8-10, to depending on how many the Giants have in a given year. Because of the fact that the Giants have squandered so many middle-round draft picks that they have to rebuild trust. Because a lot of teams, I I think, feed the Giants poor information as to who they're going after. I don't think the Giants did any of that kind of legwork under Jerry Reese. That's why Jerry Reese made so many reach picks, because you'd see the Giants make a pick and everyone's scratching their heads because they're thinking that he was going to be a practice squad guy. Uh, as a undrafted free agent. And the Giants would draft him in the 5th and 6th round. It didn't make any sense. So, again, with the NFL, it's always going to be a fluid situation. But uh, f- uh, for the Giants in particular, less noise, the better. Uh, in terms of getting uh, the ship in, uh, uh, ship uh, turned in the right direction. Because the, the Giants have been taking on water for quite some time now. So, if they really want to sink the boat... Screwing this Odell situation is a surefire way of doing it. 
Now, there are more things I want to talk about in the NFL, but we're not going to have enough time to do so. So I'm going to table that. Uh, there's also uh, the matter of uh, a full NCAA breakdown. I'll get to that uh, as we head into the weekend. But uh, needless to say, uh, my pick to win it all, Duke, went out on Sunday. And I'll be honest, I'm still comfortable with the pick I made because the way Duke lost that game to Kansas, it was a great tournament game. Kansas played phenomenally. But the reason why Duke lost it is because the one big advantage they had over Kansas was the fact that they had Marvin Bagley III and Wendell Clark Jr. Now, the Duke fans are upset because Wendell Clark uh, Jr. fouled out of the game uh, right before overtime on a charge. Well, it should have been a charge call, but they called it a blocking call because uh, the, uh, the referee said that Clark was moving. The replay showed that Clark was in proper position. So it should have been a charge call. Uh, but if there was one team over the years that has gotten so many calls from referees uh, that it's sickening, is Duke. So I have no sympathy for Duke. But Wendell Clark Jr. fouling out of the game was not the t- turning point, as people would uh, surmise, because of the fact that uh, Wendell Clark Jr. was in foul trouble the entire game. He, he really didn't have much going on. Yes, it did take away a body from the interior, but... Uh, Duke didn't lose the game because of that. They lost the game because Grayson Allen got selfish and took the ball out of the hands of Marvin Bagley III. Marvin Bagley was having a, uh, was balling out, doing what he needed to do. Uh, Grayson Allen just tried to take the game over and failed miserably. Took a bunch of bad shots, uh, did not uh, include his teammates, did not get them involved. So by the time the overtime rolled around, after Grayson Allen missed the sh- uh Missed the game-winning shot in regulation. Yes, it rimmed out, but at the end of the day, he missed the shot. He touched all parts of the rim, but he still missed the shot. Uh, and it was a difficult shot to, uh, to boot, too. So, again, Grayson Allen cost his team the game. As a senior leader, you're not supposed to do that. But I can't think of a more fitting person to have a devastating loss be tagged to him as the conclusion of his college career uh, because of how undeserving he was to be in that spotlight. Uh, Grayson Allen, for all intents and purposes, is uh, a guy who has multiple times tried to injure his own uh, opponents, uh, has been unrepentant about said moves. He, 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 he puts on good crock tears, but every time I come back and see him in games, he still does the same nonsense, which tells me that it's his own reflex action that causes him to do that that it's like like when you're put to the test and you're in a trying situation your character reveals him uh, reveals itself Grayson Allen seems to be the kind of person who t- tries to take a shortcut when it's convenient for him so for him to get be the reason a Duke got knocked out because he got selfish in the crunch time situation where all the pressure's on to me, that encapsulated his career and why he should have been off this team years ago with Coach K. But be that as it may, Coach K is going to have to live with that decision because uh, Duke fans are not going to forget that one. They're going to blame the rest. They're going to blame everyone else. But to me, that loss is on uh, Grayson Allen, the uh, clear-cut and dry there. So coming up in the next uh, episode, I'm going to do... Because uh, i got to get ready for my baseball drafts coming up tonight. But uh, I'm going to do my uh, 
uh, win projections for every Major League Baseball team this year. Hopefully, I'm not absolutely terrible because, you know, doing the projections, obviously it's not going to match up exactly with 162-game schedule with certain teams. But this is where I think they're going to fall in uh, fall in the line of. Uh, uh, and, you know, I think the Mets are better than people expect. Uh that's not saying much, but it's still. I I, I think people are negative on teams like the the Mets, and uh, I think people are a little bit too bullish on the Brewers. But uh, I'll get into my reasons why uh, tomorrow uh, uh, when I do the win projection show. So that's all for now. Uh, have a good night, everyone. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.